This is the Benefits Buzz Podcast, your weekly pulse on what's happening in the world of employee benefits. Brought to you by your friends at WEX, who believe in simplifying benefits for everyone. Now listen up, and let's get buzzed! Hey everyone, it's another episode of Benefits Buzz. I'm your host, Eric Piela, and I'm joined with Kelsey Burghead. What's up, Kelsey? Hey, welcome. Welcome to my show. <laughs> welcome to the Kelsey Burghead show. <laughs> well, you make it sound that way when you always kick it off that way. Well, oh gosh, I know what uh, you, we love to give each other a lot of crap. That's how long we've been doing this a lot. <laughs> this is like a our lot of hours 30th, 30th episode this season. We do, we do. And speaking of really uh, uh, entertaining and fun uh, time with each other, I'm super fun and excited about this episode, mostly because I've been waiting for this the whole time. It, we're, we're talking about Vibas, and mm-hmm. so I think of Viba Las Vegas. That is, a, yeah, I get why you. I get yeah, you I'm not sure that. if I'm the only one who has ever thought of that. Maybe I'm not. Probably. I have, I have, I have a sickness. It's, it's like a jukebox thing. I can't help but just start randomly singing songs. But boy, I'm really digressing in this intro. Maybe we can cut this out. <laughs> uh, Vibas. So let's talk about Vibas. This mm-hmm. is so. So when we were pulling that up, apparently. The laws for Viva have been around for like a hundred years, yeah. but I, I'm not joking when I say this. Like I, I literally did not hear much about Viva until a couple months ago. So something's up, right? And we thought we need to talk about. We need to have on. a conversation about this. Yeah, they've <laughs> definitely been trending. So we brought yes. on two guests to help us talk about it. Yes, yes, and we're excited to introduce those guests now. We have got Jonas. Solve, senior product manager at Wex. Jonas, you're an old uh, friend of ours on the podcast. Welcome back. And hey guys. Great. Yeah, well, I'm, we're glad you're here. And of course, uh, we have a newcomer, uh, Phil Kading. Welcome. Phil is the Senior Director of Strategic Business Development. Woof, that's an awesome mouthful. Uh, welcome, <laughs> Phil, to the to the show. Eric, Kelsey, thank you. I've I've finally made it, so I feel pretty good. feel pretty good <laughs> right now. Welcome to Kelsey's show. <laughs> well, let's dive in here because uh, we're feeling a little squirrely today. We want to just, you know, we got to start from the basics here. If not, if not for everyone else, at least just for me, please. Can you, what is a VIBA? Let's, what does it stand for? Can we just start with the 101 stuff? Um, w- w- let's start there and we'll, we'll get deeper as we go here. Sounds good. I'll, I'll take that. So VIBA, V-E-B-A, uh, stands for Voluntary Employees Beneficiary Association. So Eric, say that five times. <laughs> <laughs> I can barely say your title, Phil. Don't, don't. <laughs> right. So we're, we're going we're gonna to refer to it as VIBA from here on out for obvious reasons, but it's a, like Eric said, it's been around a long time. Uh, It's a benefit that allows employers to support employees' uh, healthcare needs uh, on a a pre-tax basis and and really helps them become better healthcare consumers. It's similar to, you know, our friends in the HSAs, FSAs, HRAs, and we'll get to that in a sec, but it's different in a lot of ways in that it's employer-funded, We'll, we'll dive into that a little bit and um, not uh, consumer funded at all. Uh, and the funds, those funds that are contributed are um, landing in a tax-free irrevocable trust, which is very different uh, than our HSA, FFS, FSA friends. Um, and then often it, it's paired with an HRA as well. Yeah, interesting. I mean, so it sounds like it's a mix between an HRA and an HSA, right? Because there's investment potential. But then when you say employer funded, I think of the HRA. So can you break down maybe what the differences are or how they're alike? 
Yeah, and it, it we'll get into a little bit that uh, about that later. But the, how it's alike is from an HRA perspective. A a VBA um, typically has a paired funded HRA. Now, when I say funded, as uh, as most of our, the listeners are going to know, HRAs are notional, right? They're they're not real until spent. Um, Viva HRAs are funded. So those are real funds going into that trust account. And again, it's a trust account, which is different than an HSA uh, specifically. Uh, but the main part is it's it's funded, right? Now, beyond the contributions, when you think about the HRA from a claims perspective, it's the same as our traditional HRA, right? So when somebody uses their debit card or somebody uh, submits a manual claim, uh, that's happening um, in the same fashion as our traditional HRA as well. Okay, this is good because I feel like this is super detailed, but I think we need this and I'm trying to keep up and I think this is great. Um, hopefully those that are listening are, are catching the nuances here. And I think this is why we have to have a podcast episode on this because there are some definite nuances. And so let's keep going a little bit more here. And I want to make sure I get this. We, we keep questions in our back pocket. And I've got one here. I want to make sure I, I say it right here. Okay. So how do HRAs funded by a VIVA trust, right? Compare with common benefits such as an FSA or HSA, like we've alluded to. Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear this, the differences as we continue to kind of, again, find out the minutia, the differences between all these plans. Yeah, I think Phil did a great job of introducing kind of some differences around where the funds are held, when they're available, uh, et cetera. But there's also a lot of other similarities uh, to FSAs and HSAs. Uh, Phil alluded to the contributions being employer-funded, not consumer-funded, whereas HSAs and FSAs are typically funded by the employee first or, you know, largely funded by the employee with employer contributions on top, right? And then... Um, with HSAs and FSAs, of course, there's typically an, an, an annual max for those, or there is always an annual max for those, but with the uh, VIVA HRA, it, there is no annual max. So there's a lot of flexibility for the employer to um, determine their budget and fund it accordingly. Uh, eligible expenses, of course, are, are a critical piece of these types of plans too, right? You provide the dollars, but what can you use them for? Uh, just like HSAs and FSAs, 213D expenses um, all day. And, um, but of course that can be customized by the plan, uh, like another HRA that you might have uh, set up in the past or be familiar with. Now where it gets a little bit interesting is access. And when I say access, I'm really referring to uh, when can employees utilize their dollars, right? HSA while employed and while terminated, FSAs you know, really just while employed. And so uh, VIVA funded HRAs are unique from the perspective of the employer can determine uh, when those funds are available to the employees. So they're always going to be available in retirement or termination or post-employment, but the employer can choose whether or not employees can spend it while they're actively employed. And so it is a portable plan. They terminate it. It goes with them. So there's a flare of the HSA um, on that regard related to access um, ongoing post-employment. Now, we should also talk about funds availability, right? So if you think about an FSA and a typical HRA, typically paired with a calendar year or a fiscal year, um, VIPAs are different and kind of like HSAs from the perspective of they are open-ended. There is no concept of an open or an annual plan year that resets each year. 
there is no use it or lose it or rollovers, run out, grace periods. They have access to their funds um, ongoing. And for the sake of the audience, I'm just going to assume you guys know rollover, run out, grace period terminology. Um, for the, uh, the funds, right, so the funds are held by the trustee, uh, meaning the participant does not own those funds. Uh, if you think about the um, experience for an HSA, if you have an HSA, you can go pay out of pocket, request a distribution. You're ultimately responsible for making sure it's for eligible expenses and maintaining documentation if you get audited. Uh, but from Aviva's standpoint, that's not the case, right? They can only be spent on eligible expenses. Claims are adjudicated. Um, and uh, um, you can pay, pay out of pocket for ineligible expenses and then ultimately pay a, a fee like you could with your HSA. And I know I'm going a little long here, but let me wrap up with investing, one of my favorite areas of, of some benefits. So similar to the HSA, uh, the VIBA funds can be invested. Uh, triple tax savings, if you've heard that benefits buzzword, contributions, earnings, withdrawals uh, for eligible medical expenses, all three are tax advantaged. Um, and unlike um, uh, some other retirement plans, so VIVAs can be, of course, used in retirement, they're portable, they're invested, right? You can choose to um, hold on to those funds until you're retired. Uh, of course, plan design may or may not allow spend earlier, but there are no mandatory age requirements to start withdrawals. So if you're familiar with things like IRAs, uh, you can run into mandatory uh, minimum withdrawals and VIVAs don't have that. So a nice perk and benefit there. Uh, and then lastly, with HSAs, oftentimes they may or may not have a cash threshold, meaning you must keep a thousand or a specified amount of money in cash before the remainder of the money above and beyond that can be invested. Uh, with VBUS, uh, they may or may not have a cash threshold, kind of like the HSA. That was, I'm like, I'm like learning trial by fire yes. here because I'm so used to, you know, talking about FSAs and HSAs and HRAs. So when you're blending all of these together, my mind is just all over the place. So I just want to recap really quickly for the employers who are maybe new to VBAs and are like, hey, this sounds interesting. I want to learn more. Which parts of what you just covered are customizable by the employer? So which parts can they pick and choose? I just want to recap that again, because there were some things that were, this is just how mm -hmm. Aviva is. And then there were some things where it was like the employer gets to pick. So can you just recap which ones the employer gets to decide? Yeah, for sure. I think that's a great way to summarize my, my long-winded answer there. So <laughs> the employer determines their um, budget and there is no max. Eligible expenses, we'll talk about those a little bit later and how they can vary when employed or not, but 213D expenses that can be customized within. Um, access, can employees spend while employed? Yes or no. They're always going to spend, be able to spend when retired or terminated. Um, so customization, I think about funds availability, we kind of hit that. Um, investing, you're not particularly probably going to um, determine that at the employer level. That's probably going to come down to your, your administrator and what they allow. So I would say those are the real key items that from an employer standpoint are um, easily customizable. That's great. Thank you. So the next thing that I kind of have in my head is we always talk about how these plans pair together, or how they work together to help employees like get the most out of their benefits package. Right. So are there certain benefits that a VIBA can be paired with versus ones that maybe they can't? Yeah. Uh, employers who are familiar with other HRAs are probably going to see a lot of similarities in this area. So a VIBA funded HRA, it's going to be compatible with a medical FSA. However, if they want to be compatible with an HSA, 
then the viva either has to be frozen. That might be a term you hear when learning about vivas. So really preventing consumers from being able to spend uh, or file claims, use their debit card, et cetera, or limiting the viva to certain eligible expenses, uh, like a limited HRA, right? Dental, vision, preventative care expenses, or the term post-deductible viva, like a post-deductible HRA. Uh, after a consumer hits the, the threshold for out-of-pocket expenses or deductible, then that limited VIVA can convert to a full VIVA. But there's a slight nuance that's a little bit different here from the perspective of, I mentioned a little bit ago, VIVAs are open-ended, whereas health plans and deductibles are annual. And so uh, similar experience to a, a limited post-deductible HRA, but those are typically paired with an annual health plan. So with the VB, VIVA being open-ended and ongoing, uh, just a little bit of a different take on the administration there, but for the consumer, ultimately very similar. That's great. Thanks, Jonas. I know there's a lot to unpack there, so I really appreciate you doing a great job mm -hmm. of doing that one and for your great summaries. Um, we One of the cool things that uh, working at WEX is that we do get to see when there's peaked interest for certain types of benefits. And as Kelsey alluded to early in the show, is we've seen a lot of interest. In VIBA. So my next question has to be a bit around why, but what type of employers are typically offering VIBA? So who's inquiring? What what, what are we seeing? Yeah, and, and, and I can take that. I want to add one thing to Jonas's answer before as well. One of the, Kelsey, your question about how it can be customized and from a contribution perspective, again, it's coming from the employer. So they, you know, what they contribute for is fairly open, right? And open to how they set up their plan design. So are they paying out on uh, accumulated PTO or just a lump sum monthly? There's a lot of flex in how they can set that up. And we've seen a lot of different uh, ways that uh, employers have skinned the cat there. So there's definitely flex there as well. So I wanted to add that in there. But as far as the type of employer, uh, employers that take advantage of, of VIVAs typically. Uh, it's public sector, and, and when I say public sector, mainly uh, municipalities, states, counties, cities. Um, also union groups, uh, as well as um, higher education institutions. And there's some tax advantage there um, from employer perspective, as Jonas pointed out, from a participant perspective, um and it also the, the usage of a, a trust reduces liabilities but that's where we see uh viva's most popular it's good to know on the flip side is there any restrictions on who can offer a viva you mean enroll sorry yeah yeah so when it comes to uh, being able to roll from the participant level of course the employer has to offer the, the viva up front but then the employer also gets to determine like many other benefits which class of employees are eligible to enroll in the VIVA. And so first and foremost, the employee must be part of an eligible class uh, for that offering. Uh, and they also must be enrolled in the employer-sponsored health plan. So the employer offers a health plan, they wanna enroll in VIVA, they have to enroll in that. Uh, so it's a little bit similar to an HSA in terms of like an, an enrollment requirement, in that case, an HDHB or high deductible health plan, uh, but kind of like a lot of other HRAs, uh, effectively integrated with the group health plan. You know, integrated is probably not the right word because it's it's technically separate, but to be enrolled in it, you do have to be enrolled in that uh, group health plan to be eligible. Uh, and then also, you know, really with that VIBA, um, 
HRA being um, ongoing, open-ended, right? So future changes to your enrollment uh, can affect your um, eligibility to get contributions ongoing, but ultimately the dollars sit in that trust and are available to the consumer based off of uh, the other plan requirements or plan set of details. Okay, so in the spirit of continuously comparing this to the products that I actually know, um, I think about it like I think about an HSA and I know that employers, when it comes to contributions, can choose um, you know, when they want to contribute to the plan, right? And you mentioned that it's employer funded solely, that a participant isn't actually like putting any dollars into this. So does the employer also get to choose like the frequency? Can they say we want to contribute all of our money up front or we want to do it on a quarterly basis or what does that look like? Yeah, there's really total flexibility uh, in terms of, of both amount and frequency. Uh, typically, employers are probably spreading it out throughout the year, whether monthly, quarterly, payroll. Um, it could do lump sum up front annually, of course, but uh, a lot of flexibility there based off of what, what they'd like to do. Uh, and we do see some employers decide to provide some funding in retirement as well. So there's some flexibility on, on the back end there too. But really in the spirit of comparing these to other benefits, you know, I think the natural thing there to double click on is things are funded. Uh, what can they spend it on, right? We already talked about 213D expenses, but I think, you know, something else we should add in addition to that is uh, when somebody is uh, employed and what they can spend on if the plan allows them to, of course, versus if they're no longer employed, terminated, or retired, how does that eligible expense list change? And it's a little bit unique of a plan from the perspective of medical insurance premiums, of course, not paid with pre-tax dollars elsewhere, do become eligible post-employment. And then also uh, another thing that uh, isn't dependent on employment is dental, vision, or similar premiums not paid under ACA, of course, uh, can be paid from the VBA. So there is some flexibility there related to uh, premiums and eligibility. And ultimately, uh, the medical side of that is tied to the employment status. Uh, but lastly, uh, Medicare premiums as well for people who are post-employment. So 213B with a little asterisk related to employment status. Awesome. Thanks, Jonas. Um, I love this kind of comparison thing because it, it works great for me. So I'm going to continue your theme. Uh, one of the things I love about my HSA is the investing uh, feature, right? Um, and I know you mentioned that with VIBAs. Uh, is it apples to apples? Are there differences? I'd uh, love to hear about how investing works with VIBAs. Yeah, so it, it's it's a great question, Eric. So it, as far as investing, uh, it, it's very similar to an HSA or 401k, right? A, a, a similar set up but a similar experience and sensation for participants um again a lot of this and, and jonas alluded to it depends upon uh your administrator right and, and who you choose but um typically participants are going to have a wide array of choices about what they can invest in mutual funds large cap small cap target date funds some uh administrators will offer a cash product too um, others will not, uh, and it, essentially that's first dollar investing and some will offer a cash product, but you can still invest first dollar. Um, also much like, you know, 401k HSA participants can move their money around from an investment perspective as, as they move into different life stages or something changes, they can pull back. They want to go to a target date fund, which is a little bit more conservative. Uh, and as things change, they can do that. Rebalancing features, 
those things are going to be very similar to your 401k um, HSA. And then, of course, the the probably the most important part, and Jonas already hit on it twice, I think, is it's tax advantaged, right? Uh, much like HSA, right? That that triple tax advantage is is super important as well. But at the end of the day, very similar to an, to an HSA and 401k investment experience. So we have covered so much. And I feel like we've done a really good job of um, covering, you know, someone who maybe doesn't know what Aviva is, like they've got a good understanding, mm -hmm. I think, of what this product is and how they can customize the plan. And I think for those who are maybe a little bit further along in the process who are really considering Aviva, we've gone into some details about why it might be beneficial, the tax advantages and how they can really get nitty gritty with that plan design. But I'm just curious, is there anything else that you think from an employer perspective, they need to be aware of when it comes to VBAs, any tips you can give them if they're you know, considering implementing one? Um, what's one last piece of advice you can give to them? Yeah, so I'd start with the administrator, right? So uh, really when you think about the comparing and contrasting these benefits, let's ultimately go back to the fact that many of them are, um, they're, they're complementary, right? And so you can offer a VBA with an FSA and HSA, um, FSAs are subject to COBRA, other HRAs are subject to COBRA. And so uh, can your administer, administrator support all of those benefits? And if they can, they're probably going to streamline your life by being able to bundle everything up um, in one product. Uh, but then related to that, when we think about spending dollars across benefits, uh, does your administrator offer a stacked debit card for all your benefits? And how does plan ordering work? Well, if you can save your VIPA dollars until retirement, you might want to pay your FSA first. So having a conversation uh, about that, it would be important. Um, we talked about, you know, controlling spend based off of a limited status, a frozen status, a full access status, or even varying it based off of whether you're employed or not. You know, how is that controlled? And do you have an interest in those areas based off of how your VIVA is structured? Of course, we already talked a little bit about vesting. Is there a cash threshold? What are the investment options? And then, of course, fees. How are they structured, right? Is there a monthly fee per participant? Are there basis points that are charged on the cash assets or the invested assets, uh, et cetera? So in quick order, those are kind of the things that I would highlight. Phil, did I miss anything? Yeah, I, I mean, just to reiterate, the, the understanding the investment options, how it, how it matches up with your participants, is, is it going to be advantageous for them and, and interesting to them? Is their first dollar investing? Um, and, and making sure that that's going to be uh, a fit, I, I think is really important with that, the custodial piece and, and the trust aspect with, within Aviva. But I think Jonas, I, I think you hit, hit everything else. <laughs> well, thank you so much. This is a great- uh, I for, learned a lot. <laughs> yeah, I wanna say for, this is a great foundational and actually, I mean, I think I mean, time flew by, but a nice thorough understanding of what VIBAs are. And I'm excited that we had a chance to cover on the podcast. If there's a lot of people like us who are learning a lot along the way, we want to thank both you and Phil and, and Jonas for, for uh, sharing your wisdom with us uh, on this 100-year-old tax law that has brand new flair with it. And so I definitely see in the flexibility why there's an interest in there. And I appreciate you outlining all the details of it. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks for having us. Glad I could Thanks, guys. See ya. Wax is in the business of simplifying benefits for everyone. 
Now, although we certainly hope our podcast sparks some aha moments, like that was pretty cool, but of course we cannot provide legal investment or financial advice. And well, therefore, nothing shared in this podcast should be interpreted as such. We encourage you to seek out appropriate professional advice regarding your plans. Hey, congratulations. You made it through our disclaimer. (laughs) Thanks for listening.